Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host of Mission Go. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, which say, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is a wonderful verse that talks about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father who loves the Son, and in this verse it says, because Jesus is able to take his life and lay it down for us, basically, and then take it up again, and that's exactly what he did. He left the glories of heaven. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. The whole purpose was to go to the cross to bear our sins, your sins and my sin, and his own body as he hung on the tree. And then he died. And on the third day, he rose again. He took his life up. Jesus has that kind of power to lay down his life, to actually love us and care for us and take care of our sin problem if we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And then he was able to rise from the grave and is alive today. And he's present in this world doing his work and doing his will. I trust that you have a personal relationship with this great God of the universe who oversees the affairs of men and oversees your affairs each day. edition of Global Times. We've had the privilege of being at the graduation ceremony, and uh, several of these pastors gave their testimony. And Dennis, why don't you uh, share some of those with us? This is the first time many of these men have had an opportunity to come out and gather together in a large group, and they really expressed their testimony first to be able to share uh, the love of Christ with other men in this kind of a format they said that they will leave here understanding the power of the church because they felt so cared for and given such a wealth of information of both biblical and uh, human knowledge on the farming techniques. They felt so enriched. Some actually used that word. I am not only blessed, but I am so more enriched in my understanding and such a value to my community and my local church. 
So it, it was really heartwarming to see the emotional effect of these men. Uh, one of the themes that they used there during graduation uh, to show the intensity was they used the word militant, but not in a negative connotation as we might think here in the West, but they talked about being committed and dedicated to Christ and the and the gospel and spreading the word. Sort of soldiers of as Christ. A- absolutely, Brian. And I, I were think, Christian soldiers. <laughs> a- amen. I mean, and I think that's what we saw, that sometimes we become so apologetic. And here these men were living in a place where the religion is being pushed out by the government. Uh, We saw that in in some of our further trips, how they are formally absolutely supporting things in these villages, penalizing the Christians. And these men realize that they need to have that kind of soldier of the Lord mentality, uh, how they have to be able to defend the faith and continue to stand strong in their villages. And their testimonies were just would break your heart when you understood some of the backgrounds and experiences. They've come to a decision. Uh, they were selected uh, through a large group. They, they do an interview process. So they were committed, and they have been completely cut off for 40 days from their family, their village, their culture. And now they come together as, as brothers in Christ. And uh, many of them got together on the day of graduation and began to sing. And I, I just, as they sang hymns together on their final day of graduation. Yeah, that was quite an experience there. I was really encouraged by some of the testimonies. Uh, These men really needed to be brought together, encouraged with the Word of God, being fortified with the Word of God. And it's just amazing the way that they were so blessed. I was so thankful for the church that we're partnering with because they had already helped the the families to live without uh, the husband and without the pastor being at the church. And these men were then free to to just learn and, and be involved in ministry and, and to just soak up the Christian fellowship that was there, plus all the education that was given. I think with the news we hear so much about what's happening in many of these Muslim nations or we hear about the radical movements taking place, it was very uh, strengthening of myself of understanding that here there are also Christians in these same countries that are standing their ground and even have a strategy to continue to defend the faith And it just tells me that what we need to do to come alongside of these Christians that are on the front line every day in these villages and in these nations and how they were so encouraged to be able to share what their daily life was like and what they were trying to do with us and what we can do to encourage and support this type of outreach. Because clearly the Christians in the major cities are recognizing what's happening in the rest of the nation. And they were clearly encouraged to know that there were those in North America that were hearing their cries to come along. And it's real something important that we're going to have to do to really continue to encourage their battle uh, as they're facing this threat in their own nation. Yeah, this was just a wonderful experience to be around these men who, who you might say are in the front lines of ministry and they're out there all alone, pastors of these churches. And Christian fellowship is so important for them to let them know that they're not alone, that people are praying for them, that people care for them, that people want to meet their needs and support them. And a word of blessing back and forth, and uh, we could pray for one another. Really a, a very sweet time in the Lord.
Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you know, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be on the air without the support of all those who listen and pray for us. I really appreciate those who pray for us and those who remember us in their will or your trust. These are exciting times as we see Russia, the king of the north, coming down into Syria and having an, an alliance with Iran. And it looks to me like we may be coming close to the end days when our Lord could return and the tribulation could begin. This month, we're offering a booklet by Dr. Fred Hartman by writing Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Good day. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongo.org. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning, as entitled, Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon request. In the book of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 21, beginning at verse 3, we read these profound words. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, 
and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Today we conclude our series of talks on the faith once delivered unto the saints. Throughout this series we've sought to expound what the inspired scriptures say concerning the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the Bible as the infallible and eternal Word of God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood atonement and its role in redemption, the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the gospel of the grace of God through the Apostle Paul, Christ's universal church or mystical body, the removal of Christ's church from this earth to meet the Lord in the air, the second coming of Christ with his church to set up his millennial reign of righteousness on this earth, the literal resurrection of all who have lived and died, and the judgments of God both past and future. All these great fundamental truths are cardinal doctrines of what the Apostle Jude refers to as the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I hope you found these talks helpful. Above all, I hope they've helped you gain a deeper insight into the infallible scriptures and a better understanding of God's eternal plan and purpose and Christ's work of redemption on our behalf. Whether or not the talks were worthwhile hinges on whether they have resulted in your opening your heart and life to Jesus Christ and receiving him as your personal Savior. If you have, I hope you'll be good enough to let us know that we may remember you in prayer and help you get a good start in your new life as a Christian. As we conclude this series today, may I ask you to look with me through the telescope of God's prophetic word to catch a glimpse of the ultimate world of tomorrow, the eternal conditions which will prevail forever after God completes his work of reconciling all things unto himself, and time shall be no more. Perhaps it would be helpful if we started from where we now are and traced the sequence of events. The prophetic scriptures tell us the future holds in store. The present age in which we live, called in the scriptures the period or dispensation of the grace of God, someday will come to an instantaneous end when Christ appears in the clouds of heaven and removes every member of his universal church from this earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Following that translation of every spiritually reborn believer in Christ, the godless Antichrist will emerge on the world scene and quickly become the supreme head of a totalitarian world government. That will be the greatest time of persecution this world has ever known. It was of that time that Christ spoke when he said, Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Why would any sensible person risk being left on this earth to face such a future by refusing or neglecting to accept the salvation God offers today in Jesus Christ? My friend, if you haven't received him as your personal Savior, you run that terrible risk. Be wise. Open your heart and life to him while the opportunity still is yours. 
The Antichrist godless tyranny will be ended by Christ's personal return to earth with his church when he will destroy the Antichrist and his followers at the great battle of Armageddon. Armageddon will not be a nuclear war between the world's superpowers. It will be the final literal conflict between good and evil, between God and Satan, between Christ and the Antichrist. It will be a conflict God and Christ will win. The Apostle John describes what will take place in Revelation 19. He says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And the armies which were in heaven followed him, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, the matchless, awe-conquering Christ. John goes on, And I saw the beast, that is the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Ezekiel 39, 11-16 says, So great will be that battle, it will take seven months to bury the dead, and seven years to clear the land of the weapons of war. Following the battle of Armageddon, Christ will establish his long-promised kingdom of heaven on this earth. And for the thousand years of his reign, this earth will experience the greatest, most glorious period in all the annals of time. There will be no more war or violence or crime or evil of any kind, no more poverty or want, no more pestilence or famine. The deserts will blossom as a rose. So great will be the earth's production that the plowman will overtake the reaper. The whole earth in that day will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But finally, Christ's kingdom of heaven on earth will draw to its close. Speaking of that time, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15:24, Then cometh the end, when he, that is Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. And in verse 28, Then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that God may be all in all. But first Christ will have one other great assignment to carry out. He will call forth from their graves all the unbelieving dead of all ages, and will preside at their judgment as they stand before what Revelation 20, 11, and 12 describes as the great white throne. We discuss this judgment of the unbelieving dead in our last talk on this in this series. But more will happen at that time than the judgment of the unbelieving dead. When Christ takes his place on the great white throne, Revelation 20:11 says the glory and holiness of his presence will bring about the end of this physical universe as it has continued since it was formed by the creative hand of God eons ago. In Revelation 20:11, the apostle John, to whom the prophetic vision of the Revelation was given, says, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Despite what fearmongers frequently predict, this world is not going to be destroyed by nuclear war or by any other man-made catastrophe. It will someday come to an end, but not until after it has experienced the glories of Christ's personal millennial reign 
and then not by an act of men, but by an act of God. The Apostle Peter in his second epistle, chapter 3, verse 12, speaks of Christians anticipating the fulfillment of John's prophetic vision of the earth's final end. He speaks of them looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Then he adds in verse 13, Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That is precisely what John foresaw and recorded in the last two chapters of the last book of the Bible. He says in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And then in the last chapter of the Revelation, John adds this, There shall be no more curse. In other words, the last vestige of sin will have been removed forever. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. But his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. That's why Jude refers to the revelation of God to mankind through the inspired scriptures as the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I hope these talks in which we sought to summarize the great highlights of what the scriptures reveal concerning the past, the present, and the future have helped you gain a clearer, clearer insight into the significance of the things we see happening today in the light of what God tells us the future holds in store. Such knowledge is important. Without it, we lack the information pertinent to our making wise decisions with respect to our own future. That's why Jude exhorts us to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is important that the eternal truth of God revealed in Holy Writ be preserved for all generations. The few short years of this present life are but a fleeting breath in comparison to the endless eternity that stretches before us. You, my friend, are going to live on in conscious existence somewhere in some state forever and forever. 
You owe it to yourself to know what that endless future holds for you. God gave us the Bible that we might know precisely where we stand and what we must do to ensure our own eternal well-being. God created man to be in eternal fellowship with him and enjoy him forever. Man alienated himself from God by deliberately choosing to do what God expressly told him not to do. Through that alienation, man's nature became depraved, so that we naturally incline to evil rather than to good. We lost our delight in God and His righteousness, and our desire to live for Him. Instead, we prefer to live for ourselves. The ultimate end of such a course, as we've seen in these talks, is eternal condemnation in a never-ending hell. We're powerless to recover ourselves from the evil inherent in our nature. But what we cannot do, God in His mercy and love has done for us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ to Himself is God, became a man, but a sinless man. Having no sin or guilt of His own, He voluntarily took our sins into His own body and bore their penalty by dying in our place on the cross. Three days later, having paid our penalty in full, God raised him from the dead. And he is alive today and forevermore, offering to become the divine Savior of all who acknowledge their sin and need of God's forgiveness and receive him into their lives as their personal Savior and Sovereign Lord. And so I ask you, as we conclude this series of talks on the faith once delivered, have you received Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Savior? If not, will you bow your head? And as our invitation hymn is sung, in simple faith and in response to what God in His Word asks you to do, invite Christ to come into your life to be your Savior from this hour on. Then please write and tell us of your decision that we may remember you in prayer. May God bless you. I'm sure this message from God's Word was a real blessing to you. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we want to share biblical truths so that people can grow in their faith and grow closer to Christ. But we also want to make sure that people that listen to this broadcast have an opportunity to realize that they need a, a Savior. All mankind are sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of course, all of us know that we're sinners. We tell lies. We do things that we're ashamed of. The Bible goes on to tell us that the wages of sin is death. In other words, spiritual death, separation from God, eternity in hell. But that verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. You can have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and he will redeem you by his own precious blood and you'll become a new creature. And you can do that by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing your sins and asking him to become part of your life. Remember to order your copy of What Will Life Be Like During the Thousand-Year Reign of Christ by Dr. Fred Hartman. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. We also have podcasts on iTunes. Look for Mission Go-Radio. And on the web, you can hear our broadcast by visiting www.missiongo.org. We look forward to being with you next week. May the Lord continue to bless you and keep you in a mighty way.
Good day, if you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongo.org.